Welcome to Off the Grid here on RiotRadio.ca. I'm your host, Evan Halbert. And if you didn't know by the intro, we're talking about F1 to satiate my recent obsession with sports. Uh, I recently got into it. It's been nothing. It's been the only thing I've been talking about over the past, I want to say month, two months. Uh, so we finally decided, you know what, we're going to do, we're going to do a show about it. So, uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. We have lots to catch up on because Miami happened two weeks ago, Barcelona's next week, and then Monaco is after that. So we have so much to talk about. And I think mostly we're going to be focusing on Miami because what a weekend that was. Uh, Miami was the first circuit to be hosted on the F1 calendar. So it's a brand new circuit. It's 4,000, sorry, 5,410 meters of track, 19 corners, and three DRS zones. And it was hot. It was really hot. You think that going to Texas or going to any, like, Saudi Arabia was going to be hot? I, I don't think the drivers expected quite how warm it was going to be. Um, and that was a big issue for this track. A lot of people or a lot of the drivers, they were going through it. They were talking about it. They were mentioning how physical the sport was. If you watch any of the interviews, you see they're covered in sweat. Um, and they have water on board with the with the uh, with the cars, but honestly, I don't think that helped. Well, it probably helped, but not as much as they probably hoped. Um, there are plenty plenty of things to go through. So we'll talk about the we'll break down Miami first, just because of how big it was um, and how successful it was too. Miami was surprisingly well, not, not surprisingly. I'd say it was just overwhelmingly successful, more than maybe anticipated. Um, so we'll get right into it. We'll start. We'll talk about the race. Um, the track was 44 degrees uh, on the tarmac, which is once again incredibly hot. So hot that um, going on soft tires was really difficult. Um, I believe that most teams believe that uh, being on the soft tires was just not enough. Maybe the overall ground speed wasn't enough for how quickly they deteriorated. Most teams opted for the medium tires, and some even went for the hard hard compound, uh, which is really interesting not too many you don't see too much of that so if you've watched in imola almost everyone was on the mediums switched to the softs and then either went back to the mediums or or, or stayed to the soft tires there was only a few that started in the back daniel ricardo in imola he started on the hard tires and that was an interesting strategy and gamble throughout it um so we'll see we saw that that wasn't really the correct strategy and we saw some people switch to softs closer to the end of the race. Um, but I think everyone's suspicions were correct that it just wasn't good enough. Max Verstappen easily had the hardest wake weekend um, simply because it was a new track. There wasn't too much information on what it was going to be like and the teams need to collect as much information as possible. And Max probably got the least amount of information from free practice. Um, he touched the wall coming out of turn 16, uh, going into the big long back straight uh, in free practice one. He nicked um, the back corner of his right rear tire uh, and the debris got into um, his exhaust um, and they had to bring him in. So he only got a few practice, uh, a few laps of practice going into it, which was really hard. And it was visibly frustrating for, for Max in later interviews. He was talking about how it's difficult for him to learn the track when they're bringing him and trying to correct issues. But we also know that Red Bull had a lot of issues in the past. Uh, Christian Horner, the team principal, he was talking about how being having a faster car was more important to him than having a reliable car. Um, so I think with Miami this week, they really wanted to make sure that the car was working properly so that come race day, they were guns out, ready to go. 
Um, but that didn't stop for Max Verstappen in terms of when it is that he started having issues. He continued to have issues throughout the entire week. Um, yeah, some uh, some the debris that affected the his RB18's uh, cooling system was a big issue for free practice one and FP2. He had issues with his hydraulics, which made it really difficult for him to corner. You could see um, in the highlights, you'll see him trying to go into the pits, um, saying that he simply cannot steer and turn, uh, which is really rough. And then I think FP3, he was only got five laps in. So, and those are the only five good laps that they got for data, which really hurts. It hurts a lot. Luckily, Sergio was there uh, and he got plenty of lap time. He got lots of data so he could, kind of copy what was being done for Sergio, put it on the Max car. Um, and it really made the difference because come race day, Max Verstappen overtakes Charles Leclerc, uh, lap nine uh, with a beautiful overtake. And as he's going around, he finishes the race easy peasy. So uh, clearly um, he didn't really need the practice, I guess. Um, but maybe that just shows Max Verstappen's caliber as a driver. We've seen him perform really well. He's really aggressive. He attacks the corners really well. So it's it's hard to say what was the what was the deciding factor. Um, so yeah, it, it's really interesting. And that was because and the other thing was even before getting into the race um, on the last lap of free practice or the last lap of qualifying, uh, he botched the turn coming out and he, he only qualified third. Uh, with two Ferraris in front of him. So it was really interesting to see the strategy of him attacking right out of the gate and splitting up the Ferraris. Um, got right in front of Carlos Sainz right away and just stayed on Charles throughout the entire race, which is crazy. Uh, later on in the race, it was uh, a lot of people are saying it was a really boring race until lap 41 when uh, Lando Norris clipped the outside of Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly was having issues. He was trying to... Um, he had trouble steering. Uh, he went off the track at one point coming out of, I believe, seven and eight, and he tried to reconnect. Uh, Norris tried to go around him, uh, and they touched, and unfortunately, Lando Norris was out. Uh, but everyone that I've seen, Twitter, all that stuff, they're all saying that everything that happened basically from lap 41 forward was the most exciting part of the race, which, eh, I don't know. I, I find it really hard to justify the excitement of a race being the crashes, you know, because you don't want to see that. You don't want to see drivers getting hurt. You don't want to see billions of dollars being thrown away. You don't want to see the cars damaged. So uh, I mean, this is me personally. I have a hard time justifying that. But um, at the same time, it's some small part of me is inclined to agree. Um, there was even more action coming up past lap 41 on lap. I believe it was 57, 54. Um, we had Mick Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel, and uh, they had an incident coming out of turn one at the start of lap 54. We have some footage of that right here. So we're going to play that for you now, and you can decide for yourself how hard it is to watch. Here it is. Here's Sebastian Vettel. Why did he spin? Well, he was uh, going for the move there on, uh, on the house of Mick Schumacher. He managed to get his way through. Schumacher came back at him down the inside, and that is why Sebastian Vettel spun and Mick Schumacher hitting him. Which gap was that? I didn't see that. And that's it, I guess. You can't be mates as Formula One drivers. You just can't. I mean, that's clearly my corner. So as you can see, I'm a huge Sebastian Vettel and Mick Schumacher fan. I love them both so much, and I love the, the relationship they have. Um, if you're not familiar with it, um, Michael Schumacher, he had this kind of 
uh, parental mentorship relationship with Sebastian Vettel way early in the 2010s and started to kind of kind of mentor him and show him the ropes. Uh, obviously, Michael had his accident, I believe, in 2015. Um, and if he could be there for Mick, he would be. Um, so Sebastian is kind of filling that role for Mick uh, throughout it. It's, it's really hard to see. So this would have been Mick's first points of his career, considering he only started last year. And he just attacked the corner a little too hard. Sebastian didn't see him. And uh, you can you can hear it in Mick's radio mic when you can hear him talking, how hurt he is. And if it was anyone else, if it's anyone else other than Sebastian, it, it he probably wouldn't feel as as I guess distraught by it. You hear Sebastian, he's super frustrated by it. And I don't think I, I hear a lot of people talking and they're saying that it's it's hurt. Sebastian is frustrated because it was Mick. Not because it happened, you know, but it it was Mick. It was both of them. I think if it was anyone else, he might have been angry about it. Um, but you'll see later. I see a lot of people saying, oh, is this going to hamper Mick and Sebastian's um, relationship? And honestly, I have my doubts. I have an interview here um, that kind of proves otherwise. So here, it's just an audio. We're going to play it up for you. But ultimately, it's ended in massive disappointment. Yeah, I'm disappointed for... Mick and myself, obviously, the two of us lost <laughs> a good opportunity to score points today, so that's bitter. I don't, I don't know. I did not expect him. I need to have a look again. Uh, when I saw him, it was, it was obviously too late, so we made contact. Have you spoken to him yet? Have you no. seen him yet? I'm looking for him. Sorry? I'm looking for him. That's why I'm checking I know, this. I know. We just have to, to move on from him. Have you spoken to him yet? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen him. Because no, when he was in here, he was waiting to talk to you. I think from his point of view as well, he wants to help you with that. I don't think it's, there's any anger there or anything no, at all. No, same, same from my side. last person you wanted to have exactly. contact with. So, um, you know, I'm, it's nice that, that I can learn from, from him. And uh, you know, he's, he's so valuable to me as a, as a friend. And um, so, yeah, obviously, we're all racers. So there you have it. There's no animosity in between these two fantastic drivers. Um, you can see, you can hear that during the interview, Sebastian is literally looking around for Mick to try and talk it out. And, uh, it's hard to hear as well. Um, not as in difficult to hear, but it, it's, it's hard because you hear Mick, he's talking about it and he's like, look, I'm not upset about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm just, I, I want an opportunity to learn. And you can hear how much he values Sebastian as a mentor and a friend. Uh, usually you can Google how close they are so if you're one of those people and you're saying oh yeah this is gonna hurt the relationship hey, you're wrong um there's no other way to say it you're just wrong um later on that happens during the race um funny enough there's two there's several notable drivers that happen obviously we could talk about the two front runners which was sebastian sorry not sebastian max verstappen and charles leclerc but truthfully i think that <laughs> If you're just watching the leaders trade places, that's interesting. But that didn't happen in Miami. It was Max got around, uh, Max got around Leclerc turn nine, and it stayed that way for the rest of the race. See, there were moments where he got close, um, but I believe that Max had a solid five second lead on Leclerc throughout the entire race. Um, and I think <laughs> it was interesting. It was weird to watch because there were some moments where they were focusing on Max and Charles. And then something else would happen on the other side of the race, and it wasn't covered. So I see a lot of complaints about how um, Skynet 
covered the event. I kind of agree. There were some really interesting happens. Like um, Kevin Magnuson apparently got a penalty or it was Lance Stroll. That's the thing. I don't even fully know because it wasn't covered and it wasn't shown. If you go through the highlights, you can see Lance Stroll being upset about weaving, saying, hey, he wasn't weaving. It was Kevin Magnuson uh, who was doing it. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, Lance Stroll got a black and white flag, so not to do it again. So uh, I also don't like Lance Stroll, so I, I, I'm more inclined to believe that he is at fault here, but I, I would need to hold reservation on that. Um, but two notable drivers that come up uh, for this race, uh, in my opinion, that are not the obvious front runners or Daniel Ricciardo, um, but we'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, Esteban Alcon did a phenomenal job this race like unbelievable drive he crashed out fp3 was happening the morning of the race uh and uh he had a pretty awful crash during it he had to miss out on qualifying uh, i got a video to show you about it so you can take a look at it and this is it right now <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's rough when you shunt coming out of coming out of a corner and you're trying to get good results for your teammates or and trying to get results for your engineers and try to get information. Um, but that one wasn't pretty. It's it's interesting to to hear. And this was only pointed out to me after the fact. It's a concrete barrier. There's no tire wall. There's nothing like that. So no matter what, Esteban going into that wall, it's going to hurt. Um, he was okay. He was totally fine. I, I don't think he needed any medical emergency or any. Um, he didn't need to get looked at. Um, it just it was awful because he couldn't qualify. He wasn't he couldn't go into qualifying. Uh, that being said, it didn't stop him because he went from the back of the grid in twentieth uh, and made his way up to eighth, which is phenomenal. It's amazing work. Um, he had a one stop strategy, and I believe he was on the hard tires as well. So he had lots of time to get them worked up and ready to go. Um, the other saving grace that really helped him out was both of the Astons had temperature issues on the grid. Uh, during just before the race started so they actually had to start from the pits um, which is not something you see all the time so that helped them gain a few positions here and there uh, before we talk about our other notable driver for one even though Lance Stroll did really well during this race we're not that interested in talking about him there's another driver that's equally more notable but we're going to talk about him after the break so uh, you can follow us at DCSA Riot Radio um, that's our social media. We're going to play some music. This is When Legends Rise by Godsmack here on rightradio.ca. <laughs> Welcome back to Off the Grid here on rightradio.ca. That was When Legends Rise by Godsmack. Uh, we were talking about basically how the Grand Prix ran, Grand, Grand Prix went. Helps when you speak English. Uh, and we were talking about what was happening, who did well, notable drivers. The big one was Esteban Alcon. Um, my team, McLaren, I'm a bit, I, I really have been liking McLaren this year. I really like Lando Norris, and it goes without saying, Daniel Ricciardo is phenomenal. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have a great weekend uh, going into it. Lap 41, uh, Pierre Gasly uh, and uh, Lando Norris make contact and he's out. Uh, and Daniel Ricciardo, unfortunately, I really want to talk about that for a moment because 
I feel like Danny Boy, he got the he got the bad end of the stick for for this uh, for this race. Um, he was in Q2 during Q2. Uh, they had an issue in the garage uh, and they kept him in for a really long time. So by the time that he was ready to go out and actually do some laps and try to put down a good time, uh, his tires weren't very warm and they probably weren't getting the brakes very hot. Um, and he had one lap one good lap and unfortunately it wasn't good and out he was out in q2 um so he started p14 and by the time the race ended he was p11 he had a five second time penalty for going off the track um and unfortunately he finished p13 and with lando norris out that was the only really good thing um about danny ricardo's race is that he he just out he outperformed lando norris um but we've seen it in interviews. He was talking. He was mentioning how just the track wasn't very good. It played to a lot of McLaren's weaknesses. He didn't really have the pace. Um, and Danny Ricardo, he's really good. When he gets a good position in qualifying, he usually sticks there. It's very difficult to overtake uh, overtake him. So it, it, it's just, it just sucks. You know, It's just not that great uh, of a weekend for him. So we're hoping to see better from him next weekend in Barcelona. Um, but the other big thing about Miami that we should be talking about is that uh, the amount of memes that were around it, it was one big joke for a really long time. Um, there were so, even though it was so successful, some of the really funny moments um, we were talking about was Ted Kravitz was interviewing a mermaid at one point. That was pretty interesting. Um, they had a big fake marina with yacht seats. Um, yacht seats, not Yahtzee. Uh, I should probably clarify that. That being said, you would need Yahtzee just to get a seat. They were pricing at $9,500 US per seat, and it was upwards of $38,000 for four people to be on the yacht. That being said, if you were lucky enough and you had that disposable income, you had a great seat from uh, um, turn six, seven, eight. So, and that's that's usually where a lot of the action was. It was a great overtaking point. Um, so much that happened, um, even with fake Marina in there. We have Craig Slater. He went for a dip, so we can take a look at that. It's going to be right here. Without actually having one. But I tell you what, my, my problem was always the backstroke. But actually, it, here, I can, I can manage it pretty well. You see Craig working on his backstroke. <laughs> um, and it was full of that. There are so many images. Uh, last year, we had Haas, Haas's team boss, uh, Gunther Steiner. He, <laughs> they had to do promo videos for, uh, I believe it was Ikea or some other major uh, um, furniture dis distribution store. Um, and there's an image of him being in a boat on the marina and being like, oh yeah, it's super funny. Um, there are clips from Danny Ricardo's win in Monaco where he swan dives into a pool. <laughs> uh, but instead he's swan diving onto this vinyl marina. Uh, Danny, no, don't do it. <laughs> it's very funny, very good. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that most people were pretty welcoming to it. Um, but the other thing was, even though Miami leading up to the event was such a big joke, um, it was overwhelmingly successful. And I think a large portion of that is due to uh, the amount of celebrities that was there. People were calling it the Super Bowl of F1. There were so many celebrities there from Michelle Obama, Serena and Venus Williams, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, David Beckham, uh, Jerry Horner, a.k.a. Jerry Spice. Uh, sorry, Ginger Spice. 
And uh, fun fact, she's married to Christian Horner, who is the uh, Red Bull team principal, which I didn't know, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, Christian, you did well. Uh, recently as well, this happened after the event, but I still think it's hilarious. Um, there's the Snapchat at released the sad face emoji, uh, and it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So some genius, some wonderful human decided that they were going to put it up to the F1 intro, and we have it here to show you if you haven't seen it. It's going to be here right now. <laughs> It's pretty goofy. Um, coming off of Miami, I'm pretty sure the only one who, who has a right to be sad is probably Zhou Guan Yu, um, who was out of the race super early. He had issues with the car. He had to retire it really early, which really hurt uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, but that's okay, because uh, Valtteri Bottas, he did really well, and he, I believe he finished ninth um, at the end of the race. Once again, this was like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, yeah, back to Miami. Um, it was really interesting to see, because... A lot of newcomers, newcomers were coming to F1, and be, being a newcomer to F1, um, it would be a wonderful experience, great event to go to if you want to hear and you want to see and experience the race for the first time. That being said, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to be given a microphone, you should kind of know who you're talking to and have a good idea as to what's going on. We have an interview here that was several interviews over the weekend that were straight up painful to watch. It's quote and, and quoted as so American it hurts. Uh, so we're going to go to one of those interviews right now. It was uh, an interview with uh, Max Verstappen, uh, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. So we're going to show you that right now. <laughs> hey, Muhammad Ali told me when you're champ, Christmas Day is every day. It's another Christmas. Welcome to Miami. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, it was an incredible Grand Prix. Very physical as well, but uh, I think we kept it exciting until the end. Well, you're strong. I mean, you went hard on the car. I mean, you kept the tires underneath you. Plus, I mean, you're in good shape, son. You ready to get in the boxing ring? Um, I, I think I'll stick to racing, but I appreciate a lot, of course, uh, boxing. Felt a bit like it out there in terms of how we feel right now. But uh, yeah, I'm incredibly happy with uh, with winning here in Miami. It was uh, yeah an incredible Sunday for us. Well, Charles, Charles Chuck Leclerc, you and Verstappen. I've been rumbling with each other since you were kids on go-karts. And you put on another great show here. How, how are you feeling physically? How's the car, chassis-wise and tires? Oh, it was a very difficult race physically. Um, we struggled quite a bit with the medium tires, especially in the first stint and got overtaken there. And then it, it made our race a bit more difficult from that moment onwards. On the hard, we were very competitive. And towards the end, I thought I could get max at one point but uh yeah today they they had the advantage in terms of pace but it was fun uh, and it's amazing to see so many people again i kept saying it but uh yeah it's uh it's great to have so many ferrari fans too in the grandstand so thank you for your support well you and max are going to put on a show on every race in this world championship well i saw you could race you could race them right right down into the hole down there and uh, did you get what you wanted out of the tires here, given the heat? It wasn't easy at all. It's been a, a tough race with the tires, with the heat. Uh, 
car was moving and sliding a lot, but uh, in the end we got what we deserved, I think, and uh, which is a decent P3, and uh, we can build it up from here. Hey, this is the biggest event in the world right now, and you're on the podium. Great job, baby. Thank you. I want more, but, uh, but it's not, not a bad. So as you can see, visible confusion on everyone's face uh, as poor Willie, T, poor Willie T. Ribs is trying to figure out who is he talking to and what is happening. <laughs> at, at one point, I think he forgets where he is. Um, but poor Max, he's, he's trying to figure out how do I respond to this question? Poor Carlos, you can see as he's walking away. Uh, the equal visual confusion about what just happened. Definitely not the most graceful um, podium interview. Uh, I wish that it stopped there. I really did. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's also showcased probably one of the most awkward grid walks I've ever seen. Um, and Martin Brundle, give it up for Martin Brundle. He, he gave it his best. He did what he could. But uh, there's so many celebrities you're trying to talk to. You're trying to figure out what's going on. He tried to talk to Venus Williams, and she just straight up brushed him off. He tried to get an interview with David Beckham, um, and David Beckham kept it short. Um, but yeah, it, it was painful to watch, and I, I'm really saddened to see uh martin martin get uh, get spoken to that way i think probably one of his best two interviews is when he was talking about uh, or talking to lance stroll asking where his aston martin was uh and what was going on his response was pretty clear cut just oh we're starting from the pits because the temperature our fuel temperature isn't uh, isn't where it needs to be the other interview was with dj khaled and i can't even call it an interview because martin asked one question and dj khaled went off uh we're going to show it to you here right now <laughs> DJ Khaled, Martin Brundle, Sky F1. Everything good? We in Miami. This is my home, the best city in the world. And the whole world is here for this beautiful event. F1, family, fun, good energy, superstars, icons. They didn't want us here at F1, but what? God did. God did. <laughs> That's right. D-Ray, what's up, brother? My God, love. Uh, I'm not going to add any words to that. Beautifully summed up, sir. Another one. <laughs> Another one. Uh, we love DJ Khaled. And you see what I mean when I say I can't really call it an interview because Martin asked one question. And this is probably the as good as it got in terms of the grid walk, uh, which I think is, is hilarious. Uh, kudos to Martin Brundle for going out there and getting his ego bruised just a little bit. Um, Twitter was absolutely lighting him up and they, they loved it. It was fantastic. Okay, we're going to go to a quick music break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about that other notable driver I was mentioning about a little bit earlier. Uh, but in the meantime, you can follow us on riotradio.ca, uh, at DCSA, Riot Radio. This is going to be Victorious by Wolfmother here on riotradio.ca. Welcome back to Off the Grid here on riotradio.ca. I'm still Evan. Hey, who knew? Uh, you were just listening to Victorious by Wolfmother here on riotradio.ca. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about F1, specifically Miami, basically the entire show. We've had a couple of little moments here or there. Uh, we talked about the grid walk uh, with Martin Brundle getting his ego bruise. Uh, the other been notable thing is um, interviews with uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, which was really cool. It's probably the best part of the grid walk, considering we also saw Zach Brown in there, too, which makes sense. They drove for McLaren. Uh, and yeah. But one other big notable thing, we teased it really early on in the show. We were talking about Alex Albon. Uh, I love Alex Albon. He is a phenomenal driver, a great personality. He's a young up-and-comer. He's 
going to do great things. He was driving for Red Bull, I believe, in 2020. Um, and he did really well in certain moments, but I, I really feel like he had a lot of pressure on himself. He, he tried to do really well um, and, you know, appease the higher ups and it didn't work out. So uh, he didn't have a drive for 2021. Uh, and now he's back. He's driving for Williams now. For the past three races, so that's Australia, Imola, and uh, Miami, he has gone from the back of the grid to in the points, if not super close, which is incredibly impressive. So going from P18, he uh, in, in Australia, he got his first points. He went from uh, P18 to P10. Uh, in Imola, he did really well. He finished P11, which is phenomenal. Um and then here in Miami, he's gotten to the points again. Um, and he, I don't believe Alex is a superstitious person, <laughs> but uh, he, he atones it all to his red hair. Um, we have an interview talking about it uh, and the expression of, of his red hair in this change. So we're going to play that for you. Saying that, <laughs> this circuit on paper looked terrible for us. Uh, and, we, we, and I think we're running... We were P2 at one point in FE1. The Albon effect. Look at this. <laughs> it's, the the hair. Hair. it's the hair. It's the hair. Um, and I did make it, you know, before the weekend started, we did say that um, if I score points this weekend, the whole team were going to dye their hair red. Oh, I oh boy. wait to see this. But, oh, boy. I don't know. You know, I just went to the engineering room, and they're all starting to backtrack their comments. They're all, uh, <laughs> you hold them to it. Yeah, hold them to it. And they were like, oh, no, it was a podium. And I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Go buy the dine for them. Get it ready. <laughs> Alex, look, we're, re we're all really pleased for you. Well done. Many congratulations. It's well great done. to see you back. It's great to see Williams. So as you can see, there's so much, uh, so much potential in Alex, and you can see he has a lot of fun uh, when he's talking to me. He's more relaxed, and that makes sense. Um, Alex is a big family guy. He's got a huge family um, in England, and Williams is a family company. So it, it really makes sense that he feels more comfortable where he is, and you can see that. He's performing so well, um, even with a car that is not competitive, straight up. So it, it's, it's good to see. I really want to see more from Alex. Um, he's a really talented driver. I want him to continue to do well and succeed. And, and part of me, that real spiteful part of me is like really want to stick it to the Red Bulls and, and see what they missed out on uh, with Alex Albon. So we're hoping for the better for, for more from Alex. I really want to see him do well in Barcelona. Uh, and yeah, another notable driver that we're going to talk about, Sebastian Vettel. I'm a huge Sebastian Vettel fan. Uh, I'm really sad I didn't get into this sport a lot sooner to watch him win his four back-to-back -back, um, driver championships um, because I think it was wonderful. Uh, easily one of the greatest sound bites I've heard from commentators is, here comes Sebastian Vettel. It's wonderful, fantastic. Um, but he's also a big activist. He's probably the biggest activist that is on the grid. Um, he talks a lot about uh, environmentalism, um, how to make the world a little bit more green. Um, and he was featured on a British talk show called Question Time. <coughs> Ooh, sorry. He spoke a lot about environmentalism. Um, and the idea being the hypocrisy of how can you speak on the idea of being environmentalist and be an F1 driver, which is one of the most gas guzzling um, sports ever. So we're gonna play that for you here. <laughs> 
But it's interesting that you've for. you've talked a lot, in fact, on most of the questions that we've dealt with about energy and the, the need well, for renewable energies. It, and here you are, you're a Formula One driver, yeah, but which is one of the most gas-guzzling sports in true. the world. Yeah, it's true. And it's, does that make you a hypocrite? It does. It does. And you're right. You know, you're right when you laugh, because, I mean, there's questions I ask myself every day. And I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a saint, I, I, you know, in terms of... I'm very concerned when it comes to the future. So these topics, when it comes to energy, energy dependence, and where we're going in the future, I think that, to finish my point earlier, and not to get lost, is on energy, we need to stop being dependent. And we can, because there is solutions in place. Certain things are in my control and certain things are not. I mean, it's my passion to drive a car. I, I love it. And I, every time I step in the car, I love it. When I get out of the car, of course, I'm thinking as well, well, is this something that we should do? You know, travel the world wasting resources. On the other hand, you know, we are entertaining people. Uh, during COVID, we were one of the first sports to start again, and when everybody's heads were, were about to explode, there were Formula One races back on. I'm not saying Formula One has this huge, um, you know, position in the world to deliver entertainment. There's plenty of people, you know, if you talk about entertainment, sports, culture, comedy, uh, a lot of people couldn't perform, and then a lot of people missed that. And I think if we don't have that in general, we would probably go mad. So as you can see, he answered a lot of these questions really well, and uh, I love that he addressed the idea of, yeah, I am a hypocrite because I care about the environment and how going into this, it, it's it's difficult for him to to make those sort of um, how do you how do you feel better about yourself if you're driving F1 and you're, you're questioning making these questions? And I think he does a really good job of exploring and how uh, he car pump he compartmentalizes it of trying to be in control of things trying to worry about the things you control of and things that are not because he is passionate he loves driving f1 he loves doing he loves his job um and i think it's really interesting as well there's a moment where he mentions that he's talking about you know how do i explain this to my three kids you know how do i how do i explain this in a way that makes sense to them um I think he's doing a wonderful job he is an outstanding human wonderful he's easily one of my top three drivers um incredibly charming very funny he speaks five languages that's awesome um and he stands up for things that he believes in uh, a good example of that if you look at these past week i don't know if you've ever taken note of this um but there's a big issue with uh lewis hamilton and the fia right now um because the fia is getting really is really scrutinizing and really cracking down on uh having jewelry while you're driving as a driver um as well as wearing all your fireproof gear improving including your fireproof uh underwear um it's really important i understand where the fia is coming from they really want to make sure things are safe um but the big stance is it should be the driver's choice it is your choice as to whether you want to wear jewelry um while you're driving and if if something happens and you catch fire that's that's your risk you you're the big argument is that you're adults and you can make that decision for yourself um so sebastian vettel who is on who's been very good buddies with uh lewis hamilton you see them in interviews um often especially if you look at previous interviews um, and it makes sense. They, they kind of started at around the same time. Um, Lewis Hamilton got his first championship in 2008. Um, Sebastian Vettel got it in 2010. Um, <laughs> so how does Sebastian Vettel kind of side with Lewis Hamilton? In a funny way, he decides he's going to wear his boxers on the outside of his racing suit. And 
it's fantastic. It's so funny and it's so good. And it's a really good, great way to bring attention to it um, and show that, you know, we're adults. We can, we can make these decisions for ourselves. Um, so we're going to go quickly. We, we're almost done here, but we're going we're gonna to talk really quickly about Charles Leclerc, our current leader in the Drivers' Championship as well as in Ferrari. Uh, he took part in the 2022 Monaco Historic Event. It's an event where drivers come uh, and they're going to talk about, uh, not talk about, but they drive historic vehicles. In this case, uh, he got to drive the iconic 1974 Ferrari. To be more specific, it's Niki Lauda's uh, F312B3. Phenomenal car. Looks fantastic. Uh, and he proceeded to shunt it into the wall out of turn 17, a.k.a. Raskas. Um, we have some footage of that. You know, if, if, if you're a big car fan and you, you really don't want to see Nicky Lauda's name on the side of the car, you don't need to watch this part, but we're going to show it anyways right now. Our current world championship leader from Monaco. What a wonderful moment for he and his family uh, to be able to have the no pressure of a, a race weekend, which he'll have, of course, as the championship leader in a couple of weeks and just enjoy what has become uh, absolutely. I mean, you talk about boyhood dream i mean to grow up in monaco and dream of oh no, oh, no. i say that i've done it i've done it I've... he's gone oh. up at rascas poor lad goodness me ah poor charles leclerc <laughs> it's not la it's not funny but um it, it's it's painful to watch and if we're gonna be honest here it's not charles's fault um there was a broken brake disc that helped in the incident and, and really didn't help him at all. But man, it's everyone is pointing out the fact that Charles's track record uh, in Monaco is not great. Um, and they're kind of using that as a, as a talking point as to why this happened. And I don't think that's fair, to be honest. Most of these incidents there, I can't say that. Not most of these incidents. First two, I get it. He was a rookie. But anyways, um, the highest that Charles has ever placed in Monaco uh, is 18th in 2018. Um, and then he was forced to retire the car in 2019 and 2020. Uh, and... It was 2021. You can't really say. I he qualified on pole for 2021, and then he had gearbox issues during qualifying, and he had a DNS or do, did not start, so he couldn't even drive the race. But I feel like that was the year that that uh, that Charles would have done really well, um, and yeah, it's really tough because Charles acknowledges how unlucky the situation was when. Uh, he decided he was going to tweet out, and he said this word for word. When you thought you already had the bad luck of the world in Monaco, and then you lose the brakes into Razzcast was one of the most iconic historic Ferrari Formula One cars. And it hurts. It's hard to see. Um, we don't got too much more left with the show, but hey, we're going to talk a little bit about Barcelona. Unfortunately, I only got into the sport this year, so I don't, I can't really comment too much on what happened last year. I could go back and watch highlights just like anyone else and just remember it, but I feel like there's a lot of moments that are overlooked and missed um, that are really important. But anyways, Carlos signs on Fernando Alonso. It's their home race uh, for Barcelona, so a lot of fans, a lot of pressure. We're going to see him do well. I really want to see Carlos... 
if he doesn't get a podium at like if he doesn't win i would like to see him at least on the podium i think that would be really fun uh, i'm a sucker for home races so i, I really want to see those drivers do well um and the other thing is um abb formula e driver nick devries uh is going to be driving alex albon's car for free practice in a williams so that's interesting he's 27 years old so he's not exactly young and he's been driving in formula e for a while he's the formula e uh, world champion um, for mercedes so we'll see how that works out if there's a lot of speculation that nick devries is going to replace somebody on the grid for 2023 um it might not necessarily be a williams driver i kind of hope it's not um i love alex albon uh and i think that nick latifi he brings in too much money um that being said, he crashes every other way. So he's got a really love-hate relationship with the wall. So I, I understand that uh, he might be costing Williams more money than he's bringing in. I don't know. I, I really hate to see our, our Toronto-born Canadian driver go. Um, but uh, it, it's, hard, it's hard to see. It's hard to see what's going to happen. Okay, that's pretty much it. Before we get going, we're going to talk about uh, the current standings right now. We have the Drivers' Championship. And right now, we're going to pull that up for you. Uh, Charles Leclerc is in the lead. He's got 104 points, and that's a pretty... It's not too bad. It's a 19-point deficit between him and Max Verstappen. Behind him is his teammate, Sergio Perez, with 66 points. Uh, George Russell for the Mercedes, uh, outperforming his senior in the Mercedes team and world champion, Lewis Hamilton, uh, by quite the margin. Uh, behind him is the, other, is the other Ferrari driver, Carlos Sainz. Uh, after that, Lewis Hamilton was sitting there, probably not in the space he wants to be in. Uh, Lando Norris doing well for the McLaren. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, uh, Lewis Hamilton's old teammate, still doing well. Only six points behind Lewis Hamilton himself. So uh, we, I would love to see Valtteri Bottas come out of nowhere and do so much better. He was let go from Ferrari, I believe, last year. So it'd be really interesting to see him outperform Lewis and once again, just stick it to Mercedes. Um, Esteban Ocon doing really well for the Alpines. Uh, it's he's a great driver, and I'm glad that he's he's performing well. It just it hurts to see him outperforming Fernando Alonso. Fernando is a phenomenal driver. He does really well in the wets. He defends really well. I just don't think he's used to the car. I'm I'm really not too sure what's going on with him. But you know, I would love to see Fernando Alonso get up there and start doing some more. And then Kevin Magnussen, who's been off for a season. Like, who would have thunk? He's in, he's in number 10, um, doing really well. I love K-Mag. K-Mag is wonderful. Um, he's real fun. He's a great role model for his teammate, Mick. So he can teach, and, and there's a lot for him to to showcase and show that uh, Haas isn't quite out of it, the American team. So Gunther is probably quite pleased uh, with K-Mag at the moment. Uh, and I don't have it here, but I also know that, Fernando, uh, that uh, Danny Ricardo is in 11th. And that kind of hurts, too. I think he's only got 11 points, so he hasn't really been doing well. I think since he switched from Red Bull to Renault and then going to McLaren, I think it's been really tough for him to adjust his driving style to just make it work, you know? So hopefully he does well uh, going into uh, Barcelona. If you take a look here, we got an image showcasing the driver standings before and after Miami. Um, and you can see where everyone goes. So Max Verstappen making up a lot of points coming out of Miami uh, after coming first. Charles Leclerc 
Um, still extending his lead and doing well, so it's interesting to see the Red Bulls there um, with uh, Verstappen and Perez. Uh, George Russell continuing to do well and outperform his teammate. He has George Russell is another driver that's been extremely. I'm not going to say gifted, but he's been doing really well this season. Um, he hasn't finished less than P5 for all five races that have happened those far this far. Um, I'm not a huge George Russell fan, but you can't you can't not acknowledge that that is a feat and that's really well done. Consistency is key. Uh, Carlos Sainz also doing really well. Uh, Hamilton going above Lando Norris uh, after Lando Norris unfortunately crashed out during Miami. Uh, and the list goes on. You can see it there. Um, another notable down in th at the back half of the grid. Uh, you can see Alex Albon making up two points to get ahead of Fernando Alonso and being just one point shy of Sebastian Vettel. Uh, so it's interesting to see. And this is what I was talking about when I mean that Alex Albon is doing well. Uh, in the standings, he might be 15th, but he's in between two world champions with Sebastian Vettel uh, and Fernando Alonso. So that's nothing nothing to, to, be, uh, to be ashamed or sad about. Okay, we'll go into the Constructors' Champion standings right now. Uh, as you can see, we got Fer Ferrari uh, up in first, only six points ahead of Red Bull Racing. Um, so I, I, this is kind of what we predicted. This is kind of what the trend that we've been seeing. So I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of back and forth throughout the year between Ferrari and Red Bull. Mercedes has a massive lead over uh, McLaren. So, um, But these are the teams that we expect to see, truthfully. Um, Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes have been dominant for the past few years. So it's not too surprising to see them. The only exception was last year when McLaren finished third. Um, speaking of McLaren, they are fourth and they are ahead of the midfield by a solid 15 points. After that, we have Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Alfa Tauri, Haas doing really well with 15 points. At one point, Haas was the the, the last team. They were on the bottom of the list, but uh, K-Mag coming out of nowhere to, to perform well and continue to do well. Um, and then we have Aston Martin and Williams. Fun fact, Williams, those two points, they're both Alex Albon. <laughs> um, poor Latifi. Once again, we talked about that love-hate relationship with the wall. Um, and unfortunately, it's not really helping him out here in the championship. So that's where I'm getting at, where I'm saying maybe we'll see Latifi go as much as we don't like seeing that. Okay, one last thing before we get going. We have the constructor standings before and after Miami. Um, and you can see Red Bull really turning up the heat and making making their presence known uh, against Ferrari with uh, by making up quite a few points. Um, even in Imola, it was really great. It was a Red Bull 1-2. Um, and then coming out here and doing a Red Bull 1-4 is not too bad, not going to lie. Um, everything has kind of stayed the same, so you can see that there. Um, and it's unfortunate to see that uh, that Williams is, is only... Uh, Williams only has three points. Which is which is sad to see, but also you know not too bad. Usually they get no points, so uh, and that's it. That's all we got for the show today. We're gonna see you all in Barcelona. I'm gonna be watching. Um, I'm gonna be watching at the extremely early time. Uh, free practice one is gonna be on Friday, uh, starting at 8 a.m. Uh, free practice two is gonna be the same day, a couple hours later, uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, and then we go into Saturday. Saturday, it's going to be free practice in the morning at 7 a.m. 
extremely tired. But uh, it beats being in Australia where we're going to be watching stuff at 2 in the morning. So, you know what? I'll take I'll take 7 a.m. over 2 a.m. Uh, qualifying is going to be later on Saturday morning. It's going to be at 10 a.m. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, and then the race day is 9 a.m. It's going to go for two hours of nonstop action. And that's it. That's all we got for today. Uh, I'll be back next week. We're going to be covering Barcelona um, and what's happening there. We're also going to be talking about Monaco because this is the first time uh, this season where we're going to have back-to-back race weekends. And it's going to be Barcelona and Monaco immediately after that. So stay tuned. We're going to see that next week. Just remember, you can follow us at DCSA Riot Radio. Uh, and we're going to end off with Blind Leading the Blind by Mumford & Sons here on RiotRadio.ca. Take care.